Well, hello, friends. This is Between Two Sundays, and you are with Mark G and Mark B. Hello, Mark B. G'day, mate. How are you? <laughs> Very well, thank you. Um, <laughs> between Two Sundays, it's Wednesday, and we literally sit between two Sundays and talk about the readings that have gone and the readings that are coming. And we have been doing this now for, this is the sixth week, man. And wow. I'm having a blast. We're having some awesome, I know I'm having fun um, talking about the stuff and chewing on them together. Um, and uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, we had a guy drop in on one of our um, uh, Instagram posts, Mike Service. Hello, Mike, if you're listening in. And, um, uh, you know, I had a great, I said to Mike when he was saying how much he was enjoying the, the podcast, I said, look, <laughs> if it was just for you and me, um, yeah. I'd keep doing it anyway, because I'm just getting so yeah. much out of um, our conversations. Uh, so for those of you who have not listened in before, or for those of you who have, and just for the reminder jog, uh, between two Sundays, we always start by talking about the readings that have come from the Sunday previous and we then spend the second half of the show discussing and starting to move and contemplate into the readings for the Sunday that are to come. And last week was the first Sunday after Christmas. And uh, yeah. it was really interesting, I think, to have a look at those readings literally the day after we celebrated Christmas Day on the Saturday um, and to contemplate what they might mean in, the, in that um that context i mean quite often when we yeah. celebrate christmas it's not always a sunday so uh to mm. be that close to sunday and to have the readings from the saturday but have the readings of the sunday come straight after um for me was incredibly um interesting and i, I got yeah. a lot out of contemplating them in that context uh and I know that, you know, for me, it was pretty much about a grounding, but the thing that stuck with me um, since Sunday, as I've lived out of it, is the question about um, Jesus not being where we always expect Jesus to be, that uh, part in that gospel reading um, where mm. Jesus goes missing and Mary and Joseph have to go hunting for him. And uh, they say, they find him in the temple and he says, well, what did you expect? This is where I was going to be all the time. And I was really reflecting on that for the last couple of days and really reflecting on the idea that quite often I'm looking around for Jesus and I'm not seeing Jesus where I think Jesus should be. But the question isn't so much is Jesus where Jesus should be, is Jesus where Jesus is meant to be in that moment. And uh, to not lay out an expectation of, well, this is what's happening, Jesus, and you should be right here because that's what I want as opposed to looking around and saying, Jesus is here. The Christ is present right now in this situation somewhere. Where can I see God moving in this moment? Um, yeah. And not to simply say God is here or God isn't here. Um, it, there's, a, there's, a, there's always an expectation that God is present. And in the times when we can't see God, the question is, well, okay, not where I expected God to be, where is God instead? So that's the thing that's really stuck with me as I've been living this out in the last uh, couple of days. And it's really forced me to think 
carefully and to look carefully and to be a lot more discerning and a lot more mindful of where God is in the midst of the things that are going on as they're going on. And I think I'm going to be dwelling on that one uh, for some time mm. in that context. Mm. Oh, I like that, Mark. I, I really like the way you've um, the way you've you've sat with that and played with it. That's just wonderful to think that those re really important things have come through in, in that kind of way. I I've been um, I, I've been sitting with growth. Yeah. Um, and um, you, you know this this incredible idea that Jesus is perfect and learning, that Jesus is perfect and growing, mm. um, and and the wonderful invitation I think that is for us to to give ourselves that same permission, um, and not only not only give that permission to myself, but give that permission to those around me. Mm. You know, I've, um, uh, what, what if I was to give that permission to my son and my daughters, um, that, that growth is good, we're on a journey here. Um, you, are, you, are, um, you are wonderful where you are. Um, and, you know, I, I've, I reckon over the years, um, I have changed so much in my faith that, um, that, that when I bring this kind of concept to it, I, I, I experience the grace of God now and now and now and now. Mm. Um, so when I was 17 and fairly fundamentalist and probably a difficult person to live with or <laughs> a difficult person to discuss God with, um, you know, that was part of the journey. And this, this idea of... Um, Jesus growing actually allows me to look at myself and say, God was patient with me then. God was helping me grow then. And hopefully then to take the, the next step, perhaps a small step, and say, God is with you, growing you now. Even if you're, uh, you know, even if you're not the same as me, um, that, that's okay. Um, God's got us on a journey. Um, Jesus came and and journeyed through life. I think that's, I, I think that's fantastic. Um, that Jesus grew and learnt and discovered is is so wonderfully wonderfully human. And I'm just wondering, you know, over the last little while, thinking about this, um, how experiencing that for myself. And accepting that for myself can actually be a way of me. Uh, it can actually empower me to be gracious to others in their learning, even when, and, and less judgmental and more patient, mm. and all of those important things that, ironically, foster growth. Um, those important things that actually nurture this um, this journey people go on. I've been thinking partly about that because um, I've, um, I, I will probably be a part next year of a little project called the Gateway Project, which is working with um, up-and-coming youth leaders and training them as Certificate 3 and 4, um, so fairly simple kind of level. And I've, I've been asking myself, what is, it, what is a 50-year-old doing trying to teach people about youth? Um, 
And maybe the maybe what I can bring to that is actually a patience in their learning as they move from perhaps not not automatically, but perhaps being fairly black and white in their thinking. Um, what does it what does it look like for me as one who's a little bit older and a little bit more experienced to sit patiently beside them as they think through what it looks like to follow Jesus um, in this time and in their lives and in, in the lives of those they want to lead. Um, you know, the temptation is to say, well, you know, what, what would I know about youth culture anymore? Um, it's, it's not my culture, that particular subculture, but maybe um, there's an opportunity to, um, to allow this kind of discussion to um, impact my patience with them and, 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 and celebrate the grace of the God who led me from, you know, from that place to the place I am now and continues to lead me on. So it's not like I've arrived. Um, but if I celebrate that in myself, um, I, I think that gives me permission to celebrate it in others, even if they're in a different space. Isn't it interesting how when we give others the scope to do that, um, you know, and thinking about loving our neighbour as ourselves, I mean, wouldn't we want someone to have mm. patience with us, right? Uh, Absolutely. And so then to yeah. show the same patience that comes out of that, well, Jesus had to grow. Everybody has yeah. to grow. Yeah, But I think something you touched on there that was really interesting was that when I give other people the patience and the scope to grow, I'm actually growing in that process some more. Yes. Yes. Uh, Magnificent. Magnificent. You know, um, yeah. So there's always this growing. Yes. It never stops. Yeah. We never stop learning. Yeah. Um, and the very act of giving somebody else the opportunity to enter into that. Um, yeah. You know, it happens the other way as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, I think I've got a phone going off in the background. Let me no, that's okay. No, that's fine. All right, so. I hope that, I hope that helps. <laughs> uh, so, before you know, you know all this stuff to me, all this stuff to me really, um, and, I, and I think I'm still learning this and probably always will learn this. Um, it, it speaks to me of grace not just being a good idea, but actually being something that works, that can be lived out. Um, and, and I think there are, there are moments where, um, where our goals become short-term and we behave as though grace doesn't work um, because we want a short-term outcome. We want to fix a situation right now. We don't want, don't have time or don't feel we have time to allow grace to do its slow work um, but, but this story of Jesus growing um, just just reminds me that grace is a wonderful wonderful work that even found its place in the Messiah and let's what face it we have this gap now from the age of 12 to the age of 30 or thereabouts yes. Yes. And of course, that growth continued. Yeah. I, I wonder if this phase. story kind of, I wonder if this story kind of um, invites us, is one of the few stories that invites us to ponder into that space that mm. um, 
well, from here to 30, that 18 year space where there's virtually silence. Um, I, I wonder if it invites us to ponder, um, ponder this growth into that silence, that, that silent space. And the point that it, it wasn't a quick fix. It was 18 years, yeah. not yeah. to mention the 12 that's happened to this point. Yeah, so we're talking that's about, right. you know, that's and right. that's a long time. Um, yeah. A heck of a long time. One of the beautiful things about Luke that he tells this particular infant story, um, the other Gospels don't do this in the same way. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful thought to... Um, for us to have this story. And another evidence, I think, that Luke has sat next to Mary and, mm -hmm. and, and got an infant story, you know, got a story no one else pondered. I mean, who else is, who else is thinking this is even significant that this 12-year-old kid gets lost at Jerusalem? Um, yeah. maybe, maybe the people he encountered and, heard and, and asked his questions of or answered their questions of, um, maybe they see some significance in him from here but really um matthew mark and john don't tell us any stories like this yes hmm. wow we really did yeah. like had a last week's conversation <laughs> last sunday's conversation well uh, when you've got great stories like this it's easy to play off them yeah for sure hmm. for sure all right, so this week we're moving into the second Sunday after Christmas, yeah. and the readings are Jeremiah uh, chapter 31, verses 7 to 14, yeah. Psalm 147, which is a continuation of last week, uh, which was the first yeah. half of Psalm 147. This is the second half of Psalm 147, verses 12 to yeah. 20, Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 14, and then my favorite, John 1 verses one yep. through 18. And depending on your uh, congregation, they may cut out, uh, I think verse two to um, nine or something like that is optional. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I really hope that most churches will take the time to really read that um, prologue um, oh. for the gospel, even though it, it is looks extraordinary, like it a, a later edition, but that's all right. Yeah. Um, it's an extraordinary prologue. I, I, um, there was one Christmas at a church I was leading that I um, used this as my Christmas story and insist that this was an incarnational story, a, a mm. telling of the coming of God into the world. Um, you know, it, it does it a little bit differently. There are no wise men, and no, um, no shepherds and, all of, and no angels either. You know, there's all, all, Here's the, John all the elements. Do the nativity with this. <laughs> All the elements are missing in a sense, but in another sense, it's it's bigger. Um, yes, it's cosmic. so much. It, it's yep. it's it's so much bigger. It's just starting earlier. It's starting back at um, at creation. But I suspect you wanted to go from Jeremiah through to John, and I've taken you straight to John. So my sincerest apologies. Not at all. We can go any way we like. I just like John's gospel. The mystic, <laughs> the mystic in me thinks that this is the yeah. This is the be all and end all. So. Um, yeah. But that's cool. But I mean, I, I, we don't have to go in order. What what else is jumping out for you, or is this is this the part that really caught your attention? Um, 
Oh, look, that, that prologue always catches my attention. Um, the thought that God dwells among us, uh, you know, John's wonderful articulation of, um, of, of Jesus coming and tabernacling among us, uh, dwelling among us, um, all the Old Testament echoes of the implications of that. Um, I, I, I can never go past um, what, what I think here is, um, I know this might sound strange, but I think it's a dare to read on. I think yeah. John is kind of, kind of throwing all his cards on the table here a little bit, throwing out um, an audacious claim. And, and that is the combination of two things, that God has come among us and that God has been discovered as being full of grace and truth um, and bringing grace upon grace. Um, I, I have a suspicion, and I don't know if I've read this or whether um, where I've got this from, but as I've pondered the first chapter of John, I've often thought um, uh, here is, um, how do I put this? Here, here is a claim that would have sounded absurd, um, that a lot of people at the thought that the, the word that created everything has come into the world would have been a terrifying idea, that this would have been, that the, the, the expectation would have been if, if God behaved this way and came into the world, um, we're doomed, that that would have been the expectation. Um, and I wonder if, I, I often wonder if, if John is throwing out the idea that, um, th that we discovered grace and truth and grace upon grace in this word of God incarnate amongst us is kind of a dare to read on because people would have been shocked by that. Um, what do you mean? God hasn't. God has come into the world and been gracious. Surely, if God comes into the world, God is going. You know, we're all we're all doomed. Um, or God is going to strike all our enemies, and um, and we're going to be free. That's the kind of um, uh, image or expectation people would have had at the thought that God comes into the world. Yeah. But here, this one comes in as our Christmas story tells us, humbly as a small child, um, growing, you know, over time, growing in grace. Um, and, um, and, and these people, or John and, you know, his friends around him, discover that God is not here to, uh, to vent his wrath, but actually here, to express the surprisingly humble, gracious, sacrificial heart of God that, that somehow the world missed. Yeah. And, and I, so I think this is a wonderful, wonderful opening to, and, and, it, and it, it must, surely it must draw people in and say, well, I better read this. You know, how come they've come to such a dis dif different conclusion of God than I have or, or a different expectation of the behaviour of God than I, than I have? And I wonder if, 
this is John very deliberately drawing people into the story and saying, um, I know this sounds crazy and it's everything you didn't expect, but come with me on this journey because you will discover that God is both present and gracious. Yeah. Yeah, remembering, of course, that um, uh, that word, that logos, is not uh, a term that John pulled out of nowhere. Yes. I mean, this is something yeah. that came out of um, Philo, an ancient uh, understanding of the what I guess Paul Tillich would have called the ground of all being, that there's this essence, this energy, yeah. this power that's inherent in everything in the universe and that power decided to become incarnate in a human being to show us what we've missed and how to live. Yes. Um, and it's, yes. an, it's an incredibly powerful, like you said, it's, it's in a picture of who God is, but it's also a picture of how we're meant to be. Uh, when yeah. we are connected to the divine in a way that we are meant to be connected to the divine, when we are truly living into the image of God that is in every single one of us. Um, I might have been here I talked about a couple of weeks ago, but I'm, I think Pelagius was right and Augustine got mm. it completely wrong. We are, we are made good and um, yes. there's a seed of goodness that's inherent in all of us and we need to rediscover that image of God imprint that's in us because that yeah. allows us to live. Um, and oh, how do we do that? Well, God models it by yeah. literally taking on the flesh in the person of Jesus, the Christ becomes um flesh uh which mm -hmm. in and of itself is an interesting one too that you know if the flesh is so evil why would god take on flesh um, it is it is an extraordinary claim um around flesh for for um you know christians who've kind of behaved as though flesh is evil <laughs> as though you know these yeah. muscles and sinews and um, uh, you know, th this body is is the is evil, and one day we will shed it and, and be free. Um, the, the, our, our fundamental story opposes that idea. Mm. Um, and I know, you know, I'm I'm one who acknowledges that Paul um, tends to, you know, set set against one another, flesh and spirit. But he's really, I, I'm quite convinced he's really talking ego there. He's really talking yeah. that, that, that sense of I instead of God. Um, much more than he's, than he's talking muscles and skin and bone. Um, uh, you can't, you just can't talk about a holy God that takes on um, flesh that is evil. That doesn't, that, that can't sit well with us. Yeah. You picked up on something too from the gospel reading that stood out for me, and that's in verse 17. You know, we, we know in the beginning was the word and word with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, you know, verse yeah. 1 and verse 14. But we don't yes. often read a bit further. Uh, so after verse 14, uh, we go over to verse 16, from his fullness we have received grace upon grace, which is what you touched on before. And then yeah. verse 17 was the one that really stuck out for me. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And it would be yeah. too easy to read that and go, you see, Moses got it wrong, Jesus got it right, or this is old, this is new, this is done away with. This is no, no. Jesus said himself yeah. that this is the fulfillment of yes. the law, and so it's kind of like this: um, it, God gave the law through Moses, and it was kind of like live this out, 
and no matter how hard they tried, they couldn't get it right. No matter yeah. what they did, no matter yeah. how they went about it, they couldn't get it right. And so God, it's almost as if God, a couple of millennia later, goes, look, let me help you out. Let me become, let, let me send the, 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 the spirit of who I am into a human being and show you how it's done. And I'll get them to yeah. teach you how, how it all works. And so word becomes flesh. And so I think yeah. there's a really important, um, it, it's, it's not a duality that, you know, law and grace uh, or law yeah. and grace and truth. I know that, you know, for many years and having both grown up in that evangelical setting, there's this mm. tendency to put these things against each other but it's both and we have law but we also have grace and truth which yeah. in essence came through someone living the law out as it was meant to be lived out and what is the corner cornerstone of that law love god love your neighbor um yeah. all yeah. the law and the prophets hinges on those two things and as we were saying before yeah. through that love and acting through it that's where grace and truth comes into the world yeah. um yeah. you know yeah. when god this this wrathful god um uh, you know He's going to, you know, mm. we haven't kept the law. Uh, what's this God going to do? Love yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, that's and right. Then, and then straight after that, no one has ever seen God. It is God, the only uh, son of God uh, the, the, in the flesh, Jesus, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. Yeah. So in this, in this person of Jesus, the fullness of Christ, the living spirit of God itself, that was there with God in creation is um, mm. showing us who God is. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's a, it's a very subtle thing, but, you know, the, I think there's a reason why Jesus never claimed to be God um, himself. Jesus never, whenever it was put to him, are you, yeah, yeah. are you God? He never acknowledged it. And I think there's He's a reason. rather cagey about this, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's partly because, in essence, that wasn't where the message was meant to be. I don't think mm. the message yeah, is Jesus is God. The mm. message is um, in us, um, Jesus or God can also be made incarnate. Um, yeah you know, which is in, incredibly powerful. We, you know, talking about the Magnificat a couple of weeks ago and mm -hmm. here's um, Mary saying, yes, God become incarnate through me. And it's the same yeah. thing that we're asked to do. And because yeah. just like Jesus was able to demonstrate and allow people to see God through uh, the living spirit working through him, so too yeah. we make God incarnate in the world as we live it out also yeah, yeah. it's this i mean look you could preach on john one till the cows came home um <laughs> and you Easy. still wouldn't have got started Easy. um yeah the other thing i picked up in the other readings just to bring them in quickly because you know probably should <laughs> uh <Yeah>. was was, <laughs> was this uh idea of gathering you know the this idea that um you know the, this coming of of Christ, I mean, and you think about what happened, you know, at least in the nativity stories, and I know we grab them all from all the gospels, all the synoptics anyway, and we pull them together. Well, not the synoptics, Mark didn't even talk sure. about it, 
but you know Luke and Matthew and pull them together and create this yeah. mega story that we can get kids to act out with tea towels on their heads. Um, but there's something about that story that's interesting, whether you say it all happened at the same time or happened over the period of two years, is that the coming of the Christ right from the get-go was about gathering people in. Um, the shepherds were called in, the wise people came, um, you know, people, uh, you know, there was gatherings that were happening there. Mm. And it's interesting that in our readings today, um, in Jeremiah, uh, it was in verse 10, where, yeah. uh, you know, hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare in the coastland far away, say, God who scatters Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd, a flock. Um, so this, this God who scatters Israel um, is going to gather Israel back in together, that um, while Israel has for various reasons um, run amok and gone astray, um, and I, I, I suspect just for Jeremiah's, you know, he who scatters, I think that's a bit nice. I don't think God scattered them at all. They scattered themselves. But yeah. um, the very fact that they went that way, um, that, that God is going to redeem them together, that there will be a gathering of themselves back together. And likewise in uh, Ephesians 1 and verse 10, but I'll start back at verse 8, with all wisdom and insight, God has made known to us the mystery of their will according to their good pleasure that was set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in God, yes. things yes. in heaven and things on earth. So this, this birthing of God into the world wasn't just to demonstrate who God was. There was an action that was going to happen through that. And that action was a gathering of redeeming, mm. of bringing in, of reconciling all these words that you could use there for gather. And all this was going to be an action of that spirit of Christ in the world um, that was being lived out through the flesh in the form of Jesus. And yeah. that was going to be left behind for us when Jesus left, said, hey, the same spirit, it's in me, it's going to be in you. This same Christ will work mm -hmm. through you. And so that gathering, that redeeming, that uh, reconciling um, continues now through the ministry that we exercise, which essentially is what Ephesians 1 is all about. I remember when, uh, uh, you know, one of the exercises I would give um, students sometimes in Bible studies would be to go home and read Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 and underline every word that talks about um, who you are. And as you read yes. through that, yes. I mean, even this first section, you know, we are chosen, we are adopted, uh, we're redeemed, uh, we have love lavished on us. Uh, and that's just picking a few out really, really quickly. Um, you know, there's this work that's happening through this presence of, of Christ coming into the world um, and God working among us. Uh, that's all about this um, reconciling of us to God, us to ourselves and us together. And it's a really, mm. really powerful way to think about as we walk on the other side of Christmas now, um, what that means. Uh, what the Christmas story means in the context of that redemption. Often we think of redemption, we think of the cross. We think Easter, um, yes. that's what that story is about. But the redemption happens in this story as well, mm. this, this gathering together. And there's... Um, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because none, um, none of the gospel writers can bring themselves to just tell us of the death and resurrection of Jesus. 
they all do it. But that's not that's yeah. not the story. That's not the beginning of the story for any of them. Um, so when uh, you know they are, we call them evangelists. They are people telling the story of the gospel, you know, the good news of God. And none of them can, none of them are content to just tell you or tell us that um, Jesus died and rose again. All of them, and I know to varying degrees, tell us that Jesus lived amongst us, died and rose again. Um, and, and none of them, I, I think this is remarkable. Um, none of them can bring themselves to start at the death of Jesus. Yet, yet we do that so often. Well, um, I mean, look at the creeds. What else are you supposed to do? The yes, creeds say, yes, you know, incarnate exactly. the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary became truly human. For our sakes, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Yes. Pilate. Yeah, yeah. How, did, how did we get from there to there so quickly? Um, What's going on? You know, if those, if those creeds are the final word, how come the gospel writers got it so wrong? Um, <laughs> because they just, they just, they, they refused, they refused to skip the life of Jesus. Mm. Um, and, 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 you know, these are times when, and I, I've often wondered, you know, if these um, writers are evangelists in the sense that they've been spreading the word, you know, spreading these stories for years and years. You know, what if, what if Mark's writing of the gospel really is a collection of what Peter told people about Jesus? Yeah. What if it's a collection of his sermons? And if it is, then clearly Peter couldn't bring himself to just tell about the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, he clearly valued the life of Christ and that is fantastic. Um, that is that is wonderful, wonderful news for those of us who are um, who are living in the flesh, so to speak. <laughs> um, that that God could do this too. Hey, I've got a um, I've got a quote that kept coming up for me, um, especially as you were talking there about um, this, this God that scatters and gathers as, yeah, yeah. as our Jeremiah. Um, passage and and also I think it links with this idea of law and grace that we often oppose one another. Um, the quote comes from and it's been playing through my mind for months now, um, and and it's really sat with me and caused me to think quite a lot. Um, it's from Lady Julian of Norwich, um, who who wonderfully said, um, first the fall, then the recovery, I think is her word, um, both are the mercy of God. Mm. Um, mm. So, so we often think of this scattering as something, um, uh, you know, something that God is not in. And we often think of this law as something that God is not in. But Paul can't bring himself to say that. He says, you know, the law is good. And the law, you know, through the law, I actually realised that I had fallen, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and God was working in that. Um, first the fall, then the recovery. Both are the mercy of God. That's good. And I wonder if this gives us permission to see God working in us at all times, not just when we get it right but also when we get it wrong, mm. um, that, that it's a grace from God 
when we get it wrong and recognize it and can embrace this wonderful invitation um, to turn around and live differently. Um, this insistence that we're not stuck. Yeah. Um, I just find myself thinking, and, and what, what if, what if, what if I took that quote and allowed it to really settle in my heart? How would I treat my son when he gets it wrong? Um, how would I treat my daughters when they get it wrong? Um, how would I respond to my congregation when they get it wrong? Mm. Um, what if I'm fundamentally ca called to express grace even in the fall rather yeah. than express some kind of judgment or um, pointing of the finger? What if, what if I can experience grace even when I get it wrong? Um, how gracious might that make me? You, you know, if I was to live it out. Um, I love the thought that maybe even in the scattering, God is at work. Yeah, absolutely. So much in these readings this week again. Yeah, um, yeah these are special readings. And I, I think what's really cool, if I can just get off the topic uh, as we get ready to close, but I sort of submit yeah. it like this. What's really interesting, I think, in the last... Um, you know, six weeks that we've been going is that when you take the time to chew over these things and be, uh, in a, be doing this with somebody who you don't have to fear they're going to tell you that you're thinking wrong or theology is whack or uh, you're a heretic or, I mean, I get that all the time anyway, but um, <laughs> not, from, not from you. Uh, but, 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 you know, how easy it would be, you know, these, our, our conversations aren't anything spectacular or special. Um, and if, if you're listening in, um, I have no doubt that if you could find some people or even a person to sit with and have these conversations with in the way that Mark and I are uh, each week, you'll get to these places. Um, you'll discover the richness that's here. You'll find yourself going down rabbit holes and freaking out and big grins on your face and ah oh, moments. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I just think that taking the time and this is why to be honest this is why we found the idea of this uh podcast so compelling mm. and all the question all the time we ask the question well, why should we do it is it is it, is it that important we kind of went yeah it is um yeah so so just an encouragement if you're listening find some people that you can have these conversations with use yeah. the podcast as a as a launch pad have a listen to that first and then come together and chew on that and go your own directions with things and, and mm. see what comes out of it and please um if you do get cool stuff out of it go over to the the instagram page the handle there yeah. is at between two sundays that's number two in the middle between two sundays uh follow us there every day uh, we're posting um, reflections on different parts of the readings as we head into and then out of the Sunday. And don't forget at barefootfollower.life, uh, Mark's got the articles there, which, um, you know, in the space that Mark's able to in the, the articles there goes even deeper. So, um, you know, take my short pithy little things or take Mark's long, deep stuff on top of the stuff we talk about here and, something that's probably worth mentioning um i i write the posts for the instagram 
um, out of these uh, after this conversation um, yeah. has happened. So the, the first one, well, no, the first one went out this morning, but that's just a general wrap. And if you mm. read that first thing, you're going to get a bit of an understanding of where I'm going uh, when I share my bit here. But yeah, each, each day, it's as it comes out. Um, Mark's articles are written. We, we write this stuff uh, separate to one another. We don't sit down and plan what Mark's going to write in the articles or what I'm going to put in the, uh, the posts. Yeah. Um, it just happens. Um, so, you know, there's thoughts there and ideas there that probably didn't hear, appear here as well for both of us. Um, mm. so, so chew on those as well and use them with other people and, and let keep these conversations going. And like I was going to say, over at Instagram, jump into the DMs or the comments uh, on the posts as they come up each day and, and have conversation there with us. We really do want to interact with you. And to those people who've started doing that, thank you so much for your thoughts yeah. and reflections and your kind comments and the direct messages yeah. as well. It's, it's, it's a real joy for us to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank yeah. you. Before we go, tell us about your backdrop. Ah, so this is, um, yeah. this is a painting by one of my favorite Australian indigenous artists, um, Safina Stewart. Um, I've just plucked this off her website because I needed a cooler back, back, background <laughs> than the one I've got behind me. Um, but what I love about this is it's the story of, it's telling the story in Indigenous language um, of the spread of the gospel, um, of the spread of this wonderful story that we celebrate um, each time we gather around these scriptures. So that's Jesus there in the centre. And then um, those uh, other, so those ewes um, um, are, are representative of people. Um, and so, so you've got the big human in the middle and then you've got um, what's representative of the apostles around it. But then you've got these song lines going out into the world and they're all a little bit, um, <clears throat> you know, they're heading in different directions, but they're reaching out um, and, and impacting the earth around them. The, the, mm. So all those rocks there. Um, symbolic of the rocks, uh, it is symbolic of the earth. Um, I really enjoy Safina Stewart's stuff. Um, one of her, fa my favourite paintings of all time is her um, depiction of the seven days of creation um, in Indigenous sort of symbol symbols as well. Um, but I've become a really big fan of this one, um, this one as well. So, yeah, Safina Stewart, she's awesome. Awesome. Thanks, man, and thank you, uh, Safina Stewart. And is there a website uh, people can go to if they're keen to have a look at more? Uh, yes, and the way I would get to it is Google Safina Stewart. Yep. How do you spell <laughs> Safina? I can't tell you exactly what it is. Oh. Okay. No, that's all right. Um, but thanks for putting me on the spot there. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, that's fine. No problem at all. <laughs> uh, but do go and check out Safina's work. Um, there's some yeah. beautiful Indigenous artists out there depicting some oh, of yes. the stories of of scripture um, and it's incredibly powerful. And for us here in Australia, um, you know, incredibly important um, that yeah. we understand uh, our First Nations culture like that. Well, yeah. that's it, my friends. Uh, thank you so much for listening in between two Sundays. Uh, as we said, you know, jump over to the blog, um, barefootfollower.life, jump over on the Instagram handle at between two Sundays. 
uh, follow us in those places, uh, leave your comments and direct messages and so on. We really do want to interact with you. And thank you so much for listening. And uh, please have those conversations and let, you, let us know how those conversations go for you as well. And that's it, my friend, until next week. Thank you, Mark. That was fun. Always is. All right, folks, God bless you. Peace be with you. Yeah. And until next week, bye for now. See you then.